Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'm here today with uh, Gord Vickman, who's my podcast partner on our series, Podcast Payoffs. We've had a really, really interesting change in the world, Gord. I'm speaking in the middle of 2020 here. I have never in my life seen a technological shift, and I think probably a teamwork shift that has occurred since COVID started. I've never seen so many hundreds of millions of people switch over to active daily use of a technology like this in my entire life. I've just never seen anything like this. And just the capability that we have now to get these messages out through podcasts and video series. I remember we were talking recently and you were saying that during the Spanish flu, a lot of people had been really upset because they were delaying getting a phone line put into their house. And then the Spanish Mm -hmm. flu hit and the lockdown that happened then. Mm -hmm. So if you can just imagine what that would have been like being in quarantine with no access to talk to anybody whatsoever. Yeah, I talked to my mother. She was eight years old and her household in West Cleveland, uh, West suburbs of Cleveland, they were quarantined for three months. So nobody walked into the house, nobody walked out of the house. I'm not entirely sure how they handled (laughs) sanitation and things like that. But Probably not very well. And food. (laughs) But I just, you know, I talked to her about it. I was very interested in it. It's not a story that we had known before in my family. And we were on a trip, a present that I gave to my mother when she was 75. We went to Italy for two and a half weeks. I think I may have talked for the first half hour, but after that, I think it was nonstop listening to my mother tell me dozens and dozens of stories about her childhood, teenage years, you know, the family life before I came along. I'm number five. You know, I was just really, really curious being cooped up there. And telephones had been around for 20 or 30 years, but they weren't common in a lot of places. And I asked her about changes that took place as soon as they were free to go in and out. And she said, all I remember is just about everybody that we knew, everybody on the street, all of our relatives. We all made sure that we had telephones. So I think that when you're in-person communication is taken away. Humans are very bright about compensating. Well, I still want to communicate. So if we can't do this, we'll experiment with this new thing. And that's, you know, Zoom's numbers are unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I think they're up 35 times since March 1st. They were 10 million users and now they're north of 350 million users. And they won't go back. Once you've tasted it, I don't think you go back to the old way of doing it. What would a phone have cost back then to have one in your house? It would have been a lot. Yeah, it would have been expensive, right? Yeah, it would have been a lot. And, you know, I was later, I mean, I was 25 years later, but we still had rotary operator. It wasn't a dial phone. You picked up the receiver and the operator came on and asked you who you wanted to be connected with. You know, long distance was prohibitive, I tell you. Mm -hmm. But you were charged by the call And therefore, you really got a lashing if you ran up the phone bill in those days. (laughs) And the poor operator sitting there with that patch bay with the quarter-inch cables plugging everything in Well, not only that, they were party lines, so everybody listened in on your calls. You could hear other people listening in on your calls. So probably wasn't the most intimate information that you were using the phone to transmit. (laughs) 
No, there was a little less romance going on on the phones back then, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm familiar with the party line because at my grandfather's cottage north of Sudbury, there's a party line when we were children. And it was, I think, one ring for the neighbors to the north and two rings was the Vickmans and then three and a short one was somebody else. Mm-hmm. But we were kids. And when the phone rings and you're a child, you just got to pick it up because it's something happening. So we'd constantly be picking up the neighbors and then they'd get on the line and tell us to bugger off. And But it was really exciting when that big rotary phone, because it was so heavy, it would bounce mm-hmm. around on the table. Mm-hmm. My sisters and I would fight over who gets to answer it. Mm-hmm. Tell that to a kid now and they'd think you're nuts. Mm-hmm. But Dan, I was just thinking, you know, just to kind of bring this home a little bit with the Zoom and the new capability. So I was thinking, you know, if the Spanish flu was what pushed phones into, you know, the sphere of mass adoption, we have COVID now pushing things like video conferencing, podcast, sharing messages on YouTube. So it's really become an ultimate who in terms of technology. And you have a brand new major market book coming out. You wrote it with Dr. Ben Hardy that lands on October 20th. And I just wanted to get into that a little bit because I feel like this new technology and the capabilities we have to reach each other remotely is the ultimate who. So can you just unpack the concept for those who may not be familiar with it? I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about maybe if you considered any of this or if it kind of took you by surprise. Yeah, I have. And uh, I also have a collaboration with Peter Diamandis, who's created the XPRIZE competition and has many cutting-edge technology startup companies, but we created a annual conference, and then it goes throughout the year with podcasts and with webinars called Abundance 360. One of the things that he really liked about Strategic Coach, and Peter has been a Strategic Coach client for the past decade, but when I introduced the small version of the book that we're doing the big version of the book on October 20th, but the small version of the book, Who Not How, that when you think of a goal, something that you're creating that's bigger and better, the usually the thing that stops most people is that um, they think of all the hows that they can't do, and that more or less stops them from achieving the project. And I said, well, instead of doing that, just say, well, who can do this for me? Who's the who has the hows that I can team up with? And, you know, a whole team of who's will do all the hows to achieve the project. Well, Gord, if you think about it, almost all human productivity actually starts with teamwork. It all starts with who's getting together and each combining the how that they're best. How means that they know how to get the result. So if you think about where all human achievement when it's first done is accomplished through teamwork, you put humans together. You, for example, have massive experience with radio and with all things projecting technologically out into the world. I've got a specialty of coming up with new entrepreneurial concepts, and I've mastered the art of creating small books. And I had started on the road to podcasts, but I needed someone who had massively more experience of putting whole radio stations together, putting whole radio programs together, and using radio and also documentary films you understood everything about the technological infrastructure or the technological processes. Mm. But the big thing is, how do you get your podcast products out into the world? And we've just jumped the moment you came in because you were the who, who knew the how. And I could just focus on producing more 
content, and we did it. So it was a combination of teamwork between the two of us and others, sound engineers and artists. But what we were taking advantage of was the Internet's capability of creating radio stations almost for free and making them global instantaneously in a way that was never possible when you first started your career. So it's really a combination of teamwork and technology that is allowing us every month to see bigger download results from listeners from all over the world. Mm -hmm. So you had technology in mind when this concept was kind of bouncing around in your brain, like a, I'm assuming that's how it starts as one sort of idea. And then you flesh it out. Was it a 50, 50 split human to technology, or did you realize maybe that one was coming more to the forefront now? Well, I think it's a great question. And it goes back to conversations that Peter and I, because he personally adapted who not how right off the bat in running his teams, his day-to-day work where before he tried to do the how, he stopped doing the how, he just found the who. And then as we were planning the big event in Beverly Hills that happens every January, now we're not quite sure what it's going to look like for next January right now for all the reasons we're probably going to talk about on the rest of this Mm -hmm. podcast. But I said, you know, we should think about technology as a who. You know, that if you look at any technology, There was a point where it got automated. It was teamwork that got automated. So you look at what all the human components were, and you created algorithms that did each of the human hows, and then you put all the algorithms together, and you got yourself an application, or you got yourself a program, or you got a platform. You know, And platforms are the gold standard in the technological world. And I said, those are who's. They're exponential who's. But in fact, teamwork is exponential. So as I was looking at your notes to prepare our thinking for this podcast, I was saying there's actually three exponentials. And the first one is teamwork. I'm a great believer in human beings, you know, for all the talk, how technology is going to make. Humans obsolete. Obsolete. And I said, you know. You're not much of a human being if you're thinking that. In other words, if your assessment of other human beings is based on your own limited existence, well, maybe maybe you see human obsolescence as a possibility. But humans got one great quality that no technology will ever match, and that is that they aspire to new things unpredictably. Well, they aspire to unpredictable new things, and they do their aspiring unpredictably. So there's always a factor of new, different, and better that's being dreamed up in human minds. And then they go about, well, what's the fastest way of doing it? Well, there's no technology that can actually do that. So I'm going to use human skills, and I put together a team, you know, and strategic coach. We have a way of the originating thinker, the originating innovator actually being able to, in a very short period of time, on a piece of paper, on a specialized form or a software version of it, you can lay out your intention. You know, this is what I want to achieve. And this is why it's so great. The best result looks like this. The worst result looks like that. And the success criteria when it's finished, this is true. This is true. This is true without stating any of the hows. Mm -hmm. So on a impact filter or a fast filter, you don't state any of the hows. You simply say, this is what I want. This is what the results look. This is why it's so good if I can achieve this and it'll be bad if I can't. And then you can communicate that to other very, very skilled 
team members and they all get it. You know, it takes them about 15 minutes to get the project. And then they start using their separate and unique skills to actually come together as a team and achieve it. Well, at a certain point, if you did it over and over again, you could say, you know, we can automate a lot of the teamwork. Well, that's where technology comes from. We can mechanically say this is predictable enough and good enough for the future as a predictable process that we can actually translate it into technology. And then the technology frees the people up to go on and master new things. So I see it as a movement back and forth between technology and teamwork. And if you have a team that's technologically empowered, then that technologically empowered team can actually do exponential collaboration with other people outside of your organization. You know, so I think there's three levels. I think there's mm. exponential teamwork. I think there's exponential technology and the combination of exponential teamwork and technology makes possible exponential collaboration. And it's all unpredictable because people are thinking of new ways to do it. You think it's going to encourage more what you've dubbed rugged individualism, which is well, when you first start out any new enterprise, a lot of people want to do everything themselves. Some of it has to do with budgetary constraints. Maybe you don't have you know, the funding right now to hire the team members that you have. But one thing that you've been saying for a very long time is rugged individualism basically leads nowhere. And now that technology is available for us to not have to have as much human connection as we once might have needed to kick things off, do you think people are going to unnecessarily rely on, on outsourcing and the algorithms to do things that might be better served by just having more human beings around them? No, I don't think so. We all get up in the morning, we want to achieve something, and we'll use anything available to get us to our desired result. And sometimes it's teamwork and sometimes it's technology. But I don't think there's any general trend. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think it's really shifted that very much. You know, the people who talk about the technological future are totally imbued in that world and they don't get out much. They don't go to <laughs> parties. They probably can't get a date. So they t think about technology, you know. My feeling is that there's a movement a constant movement back as far as you want to go between technological means that are available to get to a desired result and you build teamwork around it. And sometimes the teamwork can be replaced by technology and the teamwork can jump to another level. I mean, our ability to cooperate with each other and collaborate really gets bigger as time goes on. It's hard to say whether one period of history is better than another period of history. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of tests about this. But the one thing that I'm really struck by is that I think generally the level of cooperation in the world and the complexity, what I would say, the power of cooperative projects tends to go up over time. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. I was watching a little demo. I think Elon Musk had shared it, but it was one of his Teslas that was driving down the street and it was on self-driving mode and a deer walked out. Uh, many of some of our listeners may have seen this. So a deer walks out and the car skids around and doesn't hit the deer. People were saying, wow, that was amazing. This thing reacted in 0.8 seconds or whatever. So Musk was saying, you know, what seems fast to a human is actually pretty slow for a computer. And we probably could have, you know, maybe gotten even around that thing a little bit, a little bit faster even. So I was just thinking, you know, there are applications when it's conceivably, you know, undoubtedly better to rely on a machine. But I'm just thinking about 
you know, the serendipity of those happy accidents, you know, the apple falling down on someone's head to teach them about gravity, whether that's a true story or not, but it's still fun. It's an interesting, it's part of our folklore as a species, you know, all these things where people had discovered something when they weren't even really trying. So you mentioned algorithms earlier, all an algorithm is, is just a decision that a computer makes based on the instructions that you've given it. So if this happens, then this happens. If this happens, don't do this, don't do that. But these are all things that the computer has to learn and they're learning on their own right now. But sometimes we have these weird human experiences that have led us to these interesting innovations and ideas that can come from anywhere. It can come from your childhood, someone you spoke to, something that you see. And I just don't think that's going away anytime soon because I just feel like we want to hang on to that. I don't feel like we're ready to hand everything over to the machines yet. You can't kiss a robot. Well, you can, but it's not going to be very enjoyable. And until a robot can be your date, then I still think we need each other to have those happy accidents to, yeah. to kind of lead things forward. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, we have a an experience which kind of tells us how we're being fooled by computers. Because I think Elon Musk is a magician, you know, mm -hmm. but he's really doing tricks that are learnable tricks by other human beings. The movie is really top-notch, latest technology that Hollywood or Netflix is using right now to show you a movie. But the truth is that digitally, every frame that you're seeing can be accounted for. And if you slow it down, you get back, oh, that was just a picture. And then there was another picture slightly different. Then there's another picture slightly different. And the whole point is it magically fools us into thinking that we're actually having the experience. We're not. It's the speed of the film that's communicating to us that we're actually there. Some sort of magic is actually happening. Well, computers are just the same thing. They're really fast, and we want them to be fast, but they're not doing anything independent of us, and they're not doing anything unique from our own thinking. And even what they call artificial intelligence or machine learning programs right now, if you look at every algorithm that puts it together, there's nothing except human design there. Mm -hmm. Some programmer created this algorithm. And you can say, well, now they're creating their own algorithm. Yeah, but they're following the rules that a human actually laid out for them. It's true. It's yeah. kind of like there's a magical thinking here on the part of the technology people. And I think that Elon Musk is a magical thinker two things. He's a magical thinker and he's an amazing pitch man. You know, I mean, he's a tremendous salesperson. You have to appreciate that his gift for sales is at a very, very high level, but he's selling magic, you know, and without government subsidies, he doesn't have any. His greatest pitches have been to government because it's only because of government subsidies and an actual government paychecks that he's got any companies whatsoever. And really, the impact of Elon Musk's technology so far on human progress have been rather minor. He's created a great luxury car, which is better than a lot of luxury cars. And solar, most of his solar has been a loss. It's been a disaster. But I would say thing, I think he's going to be remembered for the U.S. taking over outer space because he's pulled off a massive technological breakthrough, and that is reusable booster rockets for spacecraft and for satellites. He's lowered the cost by 90% 
of a space trip. You can land them too. You don't have to crash them into the ocean and lose everything that you. Oh, well, that's the thing. They come right back to where they took off from. I mean, the biggest problem of outer space is the first 60 miles. The first 60 miles of space travel is really expensive. It's Mm -hmm. 95% of the cost of space travel, the first 60 miles. Once you get free of gravity, it gets really cheap. You know, it's getting it. And that the biggest cost was the booster rockets. And he came up and he understood, and I think it's genius. Jeff Bezos is also with Blue Horizon, his space company, this whole thing. And the U.S., as far as I can see right now, are the only ones who have reusable booster rockets. And that's going to be amazing technological jump because I think America is making plans to go into space in a major way. And they have the money, they have the talent to go into outer space. And I think this is going to be next 30 years, massive amounts of progress in outer space. So that's the new frontier. Yeah, yeah, it is. Would you say that Elon Musk has fully embraced, maybe unknowingly and unwittingly, the concept of who, not how? Through the use of government, through the use of tech and the use oh, of... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have great people. Anybody who's successful. I mean, I don't care the realm that you're in. You know, you could pick any human profession, any human activity, and the top people are masters at who, not how, you know. Dan, when the book drops October 20th, and for anyone who's interested in the Amazon, thank you, Jeff Bezos, the uh, Amazon presale, just go to strategiccoach.com, click store, and you can get your copy there and it will arrive shortly. So to wrap this episode up, Dan, what impact do you hope the major market book has when this thing finally gets released and is widely available? What's your vision? What's your dream for this? Well, I think there's two or three levels. One of them is just personal happiness. I think a lot of people lead kind of frustrating, miserable lives, because anytime they have a dream, they're confronted with things that they can't do. And then they either take an enormously long time doing things that they're not very good at to try to get to their goal, or they give up on their goal. And I've noticed a lot of people, it's so painful to have a goal for a bigger and better result and not be able to achieve it that people just stop having goals. They become very cynical. They become very, very pessimistic. And that's just about their personal life. I mean, and then they project that on the world. You know, it's an unhappy world. No, it's not an unhappy world. You're just seeing the world through an unhappy person's brain. I think the other thing is that you can project much bigger capabilities almost instantly through who, not how. If you set out a goal that other people can understand, And you say, would you help me with this? And if we were achieving this, what part of this could you contribute? He says, well, I could handle this, and I could handle this, and I could handle this, and everything else. It's instant team building. And the reason is, the only thing that prevents a team is that the person with the idea doesn't want anyone else involved. (laughs) (laughs) The rugged individual. So who not how is the dead end of rugged individualism? And I would say the educational system as it is formed right now with kindergarten, grade school, high school, undergraduate, graduate, puts an enormous emphasis on the individual doing everything themselves. You know, being good at everything and doing everything yourself, I would say, is the major lesson for the educational system. And I think the whole educational system works against the students learning how to be great team members based on who, not how. You think this book will give young people and 
everyone in the middle a little bit of a leg up to start seeing things a little bit differently. Because I mean, you've mentioned before, and I love that you said collaboration is called cheating throughout most of your life. Oh, yeah. And you get into the business world and the entrepreneurial space and you realize that teamwork is really the only way to go about getting anything done, whether it's a person that you trust or whether it's a piece of technology. how will lay all that out for you. And October 20th is when that drops. Dan, this seems like a good spot to wrap up. Any final thoughts? My life has been a lot easier since I got to know you. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. And I've learned a tremendous amount, not only about entrepreneurship, but about myself and technology since coming to coach just under two years ago now. And, you know, I thought I knew a lot about this stuff before, but, you know, increasing knowledge every day with getting these messages out and podcasting and whatnot. And, you know, self-directed learning can sort of carry you pretty far in this space. And that's what we encourage everyone to do. If you enjoyed this episode of Podcast Payoffs, tell one friend. You can share it with one person who you think might benefit from it. And we'll see you shortly on the next episode. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. 